heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Welcome into the broadcast. Malcolm at 8. It is indeed the voice of a nation here. What an extraordinary week it has been. Um, Well, Independence Day, first off, 247 years. Excited to see how this experiment plays out over the next three years, uh, just as we get to the semi-quincentennial in the year of our Lord, 2046. It's going to be something else. As I'll remind you consistently, the 2024, we have an election, by the way, in our country. In 2025, that president will take office. And in 2026, I hope we can all raise a glass of champagne in celebration of our semi-quincentennial, 250 years into the American experiment. I pray to God that that is exactly what takes place in a, a strong patriotic president with strong arms and foreign affairs and can deal with uh, the rough seas ahead on this planet here. That's what we're dealing with, friends. Uh, This week, I've dubbed uh, the week of We the People. And, uh, you know, it was more than just a day. I I really felt we needed a full week to do this. And on Monday, we had the Convention of States, uh, possibility to nullification by the states and election integrity. Extraordinary broadcast on uh, Monday. If you missed that, Go back and listen. Uh, we had great voices on there, including Sidney Powell was in the conversation. And it's always good to hear. And, you know, election integrity, that's somebody you think of on the national stage who's uh, been been through a lot, you know, with it. Uh, of course, on Independence Day, the spirit of 1776. What did that mean to each of us, right? And uh, and we do. We all have interest and feelings about that. Uh, but it brings it back to the fight of how America became America in that spirit of 1776. And by the way, 2A was a big part of that conversation. And by the way, we got great, great um, feedback from listeners for both of these episodes, by the way. Today, friends, we're going to be talking about kings and pawns in the globalist chess match. It's going to be interesting. Kings and pawns. On Thursday, we'll have the United States and a new world order of advanced technologies. That's bioweapons. That's going to be AI. That's going to be advanced technologies. And on Friday, we the people get loud to save America. So that's what we're dealing with today on this particular week, friends. Let's get started right now on the kings and pawns in a globalist chess match. What do we mean by that exactly, right? I think we can all agree that world powers are, they're dynamic. Things change. And historically looking at human nature, you know, there's a track record for this. There's, you really can't point to really any great empires who've made it past really the 250 year mark, or so, although it's said that way. And America is teetering right on that moment right now. Isn't that interesting how that works, you know? current things that are happening in the country are very dynamic right now and very seismic, in fact, with what's taking place. You've got China aligning with Russia, two adversaries, two uh, opposing viewpoints. But of course, as Sun Tzu always points out, you know, your enemy of your enemy, your enemy, you know, it becomes a friend real quick, right? And here they are. 
so the Middle East, wow, a lot of things are happening out there currently, but even more than that, in the big picture, you've got uh, new alliances forming in the Middle East. A lot's happened since the Abraham uh, Accords that uh, Trump had worked on. And you have uh, some of the alliances that are dissolving. China has their hands in there big time, big time. And you also have Iran on the march to a nuclear weapon. What does that look like? Um, and it's it's they're there. They're, they're at the threshold now. And how does Israel respond to that? Well, we may find one day soon when we wake up in the morning and find they have an offensive attack, potentially, which is really the only chance they have. We'll talk about that more today as well, what that means. You also have, don't forget, there's a lot of billionaires out there, billionaire moguls who are influencing these nations. That's a big part of this thing, don't forget. North Korea, of course, is getting more and more reckless and threatening with what they're doing out there. And on top of all that, friends, that's not enough. And and that is plenty, including a lot of uh, odd things happening in the, the continent of Africa. Nobody talks about that as well. And China's hands, by the way, are heavily influenced in the earth as well. Don't don't forget that. Uh, but you have the tyranny here at home, the, the our own people here, our own operatives here, which many would classify. I think you probably would agree is the domestic enemy. That's been a, been, been a big part, as our founders and framers had warned us of that. The greatest enemy will come from our home, from within. We're seeing that play out right now. I think you might agree with that. On top of that, friends, foreign policy. We have, as as Robert Gates had duly noted, one of the worst uh, characters, I guess. Uh, You could use a lot of other adjectives there, but one of the worst characters uh, in the White House right now when it comes to any success metrics of foreign policy. You would, I'm sure, agree with that. You know, when it comes to foreign policy, you cannot overestimate the importance of this next commander in chief who will occupy 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. There's a lot to make up for. I got to tell you right now, a lot of examples we can point to. So on the broadcast today, I'm going to introduce just at once right here, the entire panel here. I'll give you just a quick blurb on each one. And then we'll bring them into the conversation. But again, it's going to be just uh, just a great, extraordinary conversation. Uh, General Paul Vallele is here. He's uh, retired as Deputy Commandant General of the U.S. Army Pacific. Uh, has over 15 years of experience in special operations, psychological operations, and civil military operations, and just a great voice for freedom. You know, Trevor Loudon is here. He's an author, speaker, filmmaker, political commentator. Uh, Trevor is, and surely is an expert in a lot of these globalist moves that are happening, and has his eye always out for communism and socialists. Uh, angles to the story. So uh, Trevor's here as well. Ilana Friedman. Uh, Ilana is uh, one of our own for many years here, veteran intelligence analyst, advisor in intelligence-led counterterrorism solutions. And what's interesting about Ilana is she spent a good part of, I think, about 16 years in Israel raising her family and has a perspective on uh, Middle East affairs and uh, studies that quite a bit, and China as well, by the way. And topping it all off, the the we saved the best for last, of course. Edward Hoagland is here. And Ed, you know he's grinning ear to ear when I say that, right? Edward has over four decades as a senior leader in the intelligence community and DOD, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Energy and State, uh, deputy team leader for the INF. And, and interesting enough, on-site nuclear arms inspections and the former Soviet Union. I want to get that in because that's an interesting uh a piece there and uh, CIA intelligence analyst as well. 
Welcome all to the broadcast, and let's get started right here now. General Paul Vallelay, I asked you a couple of weeks ago, and I wonder if anyone else on the call here has a different perspective on this, but I asked you about what Russia looks like as a failed state, meaning, and what, what do I mean by that? Well, it means because Vladimir Putin, a lot of people say he might be ill, might not be well, he's senior in years. There's, uh, uh, again, there's a lot of trouble right there in Moscow right now in his inner circle and some of the generals. He goes, well, what would happen if Russia becomes a failed state? What does that look like? And you said back to uh, me, to listeners here, that, well, Russia is not going to be a failed state. You were very declarative in your statement. And you said it because of your people you've been speaking to overseas. Um, I, I don't imagine you've had a change of heart on that. But let's remind people here on this panel here. Why do you feel so strongly in the fact that Russia won't be a failed state? Well, I think we have to look at the facts on the ground uh, rather than uh, Western media propaganda, as I call it. Uh, Russia now uh, is even better off than they were before uh, the Ukraine conflict. Uh, the amount of energy they're selling. Uh, so uh, their economy has not uh, been uh, hurt at all by the uh, sanctions that were put on by the United States uh, uh, in Europe. Uh, and so uh, the back door uh, out of Russia, uh, extending now to all these new alliances you talked about, uh, they're not a failing state and they won't be. And uh, if you look at Putin, he's as healthy as can be right now. If there's something hidden there, we can't see it. And so he's firmly in charge. Uh, uh, the fake theater coup that occurred with the Prusigan uh, uh, didn't, didn't happen. And uh, I, I knew there would be no coup d'etat because the Russian Air Force would have obliterated the Wagner Group if they attempted to march to, to Moscow. And that's why, uh, you know, having been in strategic psychological operations at the Pentagon for, for a very long time, I learned one thing in the intelligence business, that you have to look through the eyes of the others. You have to look through the eyes of Xi, look through the eyes of Putin, and understand where they're coming from. And you can't do that by just listening to BBC or Fox News or any of the American media. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we do at the Stand Up America U.S. Foundation with our intel group. We actually have people on the ground. We talk to them. We analyze it. And that's why uh, we've been uh, pretty much uh, right all along what's going on. Wow. Wow. So I think there'll be a crescendo probably in operations over there uh, in August. I think you're going to see a big change in the slowing of equipment and supplies into Zelensky. Uh, and uh, you're going to see uh, uh, Russia take uh, more abrupt action, probably against Kiev. But uh, Putin will get what he wants. Putin will get, wow, wow. Yeah, I want to ask you one quick follow-up to that, General. And um, that is that, uh, you know, early on when this conflict started with Russia and Ukraine, and I, I remember it clearly, there was a real hush-hush here back here at home, very concerning about NATO. No, you can't do that. Now, what if something goes astray and hits Poland or this or that? we got to keep NATO out of the mix. They weren't even talking about supplying equipment at that point out in the space, out in the open, I'm talking about. Everything was very secretive, and it was really sensitive about NATO's involvement. I've noticed that conversation had changed dramatically i mean really dramatically it's all out in the open now giving it all to them i mean our hands are all over this war it is clearly a proxy war here 
Uh, what changed in all of that, sir, from the start of this conflict to now over the last year? Well, I think the continued push by the United States and our inept State Department and even members of our Defense Department uh, that have not done a very good job uh, for the last three years with the surrender in Afghanistan and so on. We basically, the Biden administration uh, has changed our alliances. Uh, nobody trusts us anymore. I don't think we have any friends. I can't name one. Uh, Israel, we pushed Israel aside. It's been terrible what we've done over there. And so uh, the miscalculation of uh, of this war, which should have never happened if President Trump was in power, he would have met with Putin. I think you all remember that I set up the first meeting when I was in Moscow between Putin and Trump uh, in uh, March of 2017. Hmm. And so, you know, I've been tracking all of that uh, since that time. But uh, it's not a good situation. Uh, we have to have a change of leadership in this country. We better sooner rather than later. But it looks like we have to wait uh, for 2024. But it's just been a travesty of the ineptness uh, of our national security team. Trevor, let me bring you in on this here quickly. Now, this um, conversation about um, I, I'm wondering if you have a difference of opinion. I, I, I've heard blatant comments from people about Putin not being well health wise. I've heard specific comments um, about uh, an unsettlingness in his circle, his circle of influence. But as General says, you really can't rely on a lot of these media reports. How do you see it? What, what do you see in the study here of this? I agree with a lot, lot of what Paul says. I think the Prigozhin uh, provocation was completely fake from start, from beginning to end. I think uh, that Russia is actually growing stronger because Biden has structured a lot of the sanctions, especially in energy, to actually benefit um, to benefit the Russian economy. I, I, I don't really think that Putin is the relevant issue here. I think it is the intelligent state that runs Russia. I think Putin serves at their pleasure. And while he's fulfilling the role that he is, he will be kept on. If it no longer suits him to do that, he will be gone. But it's not Putin we should be watching. It is the Russian state. It is the intelligent state that is the real power in Russia. He cannot do anything without them. Um, like, uh, I, I agree with Paul, too, that I, I don't think Russia will become a failed state in the, in the immediate future. I hope it becomes a failed state. I think the, the absolute idealistic outcome of the war, and this is very much tilting at Wimbles, I, I would hope that Ukraine could somehow prevail. And I do not believe for one minute that Biden is really, really trying to help Ukraine. I think he's stringing them along. Um, I, I would hope they would prevail. I would hope that Russia would have a genuine change of government, which would I, which would hopefully lead to a change in government in Iran, even the People's Republic of China. So, yeah, I, I agree with much of Paul's analysis there, but I'm on the side that uh, Putin, the, the Russian state is a massive danger to the world. I don't think Ukraine is the end of it. I think if Ukraine falls, all of Europe will then go the whole world balance of power will change and that Russia and China are working together to achieve that. Um, this idea that these alliances are new, look, Russia and China have been allies together in the Shanghai Cooperation Organization since 2001. That's a strategic, political, military and economic alliance. 
Iran just joined it this month. Um, so the, to, to, to have the idea that we can't push Russia because that'll push them into the arms of China, they've been in the arms of China for, for at least two decades now. They've held some of the world's greatest military exercises together, including Zapod 18 outside Lenin, uh, St. Petersburg mm-hmm. um, in 2018, I believe it was. And um, so, so I think, yes, this is a ma- major strategic chess game that's going on, but I think what we've got is an America that is led by a puppet of China versus um, Putin, who is a, a, an ally of China and China. So that's not a good position for the West to be in. And I think the only genuine um, fighters out there right now are the Ukrainians and and, uh, and the Israelis They and the Taiwanese. They know what side they're, um, you know, what the future, what the future is if these powers prevail. Mm-hmm. And okay. uh, I just hope that New- uh, America can, the conservatives in America can latch on to supporting Ukraine, not just the liberals. And we see this as a part of a wider picture. Um, uh, this is Russia and China and Iran versus the West. And the worst in the West has is hobbled by the fact that we have a president who's basically a, a puppet of China. Okay. Now, That's Trevor, the position we're in. Stay right there. Keep your mic on a moment. Uh, let me bring General Paul Vallelay back in just a moment. I want to complete the circle, please. Um, uh, General, you, you hear Trevor there in regards to, and and I just remembered that he he he's made it very clear with me before, and it's interesting he, to support Ukraine. He supports Ukraine in this. And I, I also find it interesting what you said, Trevor, about the fact that it's a very interesting point uh, about um, the, the Biden um, administration is not really supporting Ukraine, as is publicly being said, that that's not really what's happening. That makes you think as well. But um, General, what, what do you think about it, a couple of things here? If Ukraine was able to pull this off somehow, mm-hmm. uh, that would be egg on the face for Putin. At that, I mean, what does that really look like at that point? Because they don't, he doesn't lose easy in any, doesn't lose at all at that point. What's that going to really look like? And if Russia does take it at, at that point, what does that mean for freedom? And you and, and, and I think Trevor laid out a couple of opposing views to what you had said early on. Well, complete that circle for me. Is there what do you what do you what do you get out of what uh, Trevor just shared? Well, there, there's no there's no way Ukraine is going to win anything back. Russia will control the eastern part, the four provinces, uh, Crimea. They'll continue to control that. They want Odessa. They want to make sure the Black Sea outlet is secured uh, for grain shipments uh, out of Ukraine. Uh, We've already lost out of Ukraine 12 to 15, who knows, million people have already left. Uh, They're recruiting uh, uh, by forcing people now. So Ukraine is in a very weakened condition as we speak today. So how does it end if that's the case, Paul? How does it end with what you just described? Well, I think there'll be a partition. Uh, I know there's that option out there that has been discussed. Uh, Russia will keep uh, the eastern part, which is pro-Russian. They'll keep that that they already have. They've made it a part of the Federation already. Uh, I think uh, Poland will be very influential in western Ukraine. Uh, You'll see a new government uh, in Ukraine. It'll be probably, uh, I'm not sure of the right adjective uh, to describe it, but uh, it will basically serve a much smaller Ukraine uh, in, in the future. 
So um, they talked about balkanization of Ukraine. How is it going to be rebuilt? You know, the Chinese are already going to be in there big time to, for reconstruction, as other companies are. Yeah, yeah. BlackRock in the United States is already planning some things uh, for post-Ukraine. So I think at this point in time, uh, uh, we see a total domination uh, by Putin. And as I said before, he will excel. Uh, he will get his way, and it will probably be sooner than later. This is not going to go on much longer. Uh, interesting. Uh, everybody is waiting for that other shoe to drop when it comes to this war, because it it, it does seem like it's going on a long time here now. Um, uh, Trevor, back to what General Paul Valet says there, and your comments about Ukraine. Uh, what's interesting uh, in Ukraine is that many people believe, you know, like you say, you support Ukraine, you want to see them win. But people feel that Zelensky is a very corrupt individual. In fact, the corruptness in Ukraine, people believe it is is as corrupt, if not more, than actual than actually Russia is. Do you do you agree with that statement, or how do you how do you see that? Well, Vladimir Putin is one of the world's richest men right and he gets a, a salary that's probably not not much more than a u.s congressman mm -hmm. so figure that one out mm -hmm. now Zelensky is uh, is the russian propaganda says Zelensky is corrupt he's got a 92 percent approval rating in his own country yeah. um he was offered a, a, a free ride out of ukraine right at the start they said look you can come he said i want ammunition not a ride if he's really this corrupt individual, why didn't he take all his ill-gotten gains and head off to the Riviera or get on the speaker's circuit? Yeah. I, I regard him as a Churchillian figure. He is standing by his people hmm. in a time of crisis. The odds are against him. I agree with Paul on that. But he is a, a heroic figure right now. And this corruption stuff is just pure Russian disinformation. Hmm. Every Trump supporter should realize that the Russians and the communists were branding Trump as corrupt, as uh, as a racist, as a Nazi for years. Trump supporters the same. Well, exactly the same is happening to Ukraine and President Zelensky coming from the same quarters. American patriots. Remember, President Trump was Ukraine's best friend when he was in office. He gave Ukraine a lot of weapons because mm -hmm. he well understood what Putin's designs are. Mm. And the key point is here is this is not just about Ukraine. You know, the, the, the Medvedev, the Russian president, recently said the goal of the war is a trans-Eurasian uh, trans home stretching from Vladivostok to Lisbon. They've already threatened East Germany. They've already threatened Poland. They've already threatened the Baltics. They're already destabilizing Moldova. I believe if Ukraine falls, the whole of Europe will be on the on the chopping block. Threatened, yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, uh, Trevor. All right, let me let me now. Um, uh, uh, but boy, I'll tell you, this is really um, very unique to get these perspectives right here. And there's so much to to bite into in regards to um, Russia and Ukraine. Um, but. Um, Ilana Friedman, uh, you have shared with me on more than one occasion, several occasions, that, or you, you told listeners, I think, that uh, Putin was not well, did not appear to be well, was sick, had some other challenges, 
Have you heard any more intelligence on that? And do you still stand by those statements? Because I'm hearing General Paul say, well, that's not really the case. We don't see anything really that's uh, wrong with him. What, what do you see? Anything new on that front? Yeah, I I received that intelligence about six, seven months ago. Mm-hmm. And the, the information that I was given at the time was that he had um, – a, a cancer that was metastasizing and that he had um, had uh, um, had ser- some serious uh, uh, events happen that were embarrassing and personally embarrassing, but that he was well protected and and he was getting medical treatment. And honestly, I haven't heard anything since then. Hmm. And he seems to be active. And so maybe his cancer, maybe there was cancer. Maybe his cancer is in remission. Um, he's he's probably had, there was one time when he was, his face was all puffy and, and the word was that he was on steroids. Right. That was doing right. that. So, that. you know, I, I don't think that we really know um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the rumors, the intelligence input that I got at the time yeah. has dried up. So I, I'm not sure that. All right. All right. So far, what you've heard in regards to Russia and Ukraine, what, what do you, what, what's your sense with, uh, because uh, I mean, Trevor is, is, uh, I mean, it, you know, listen, a, a lot of the Republican establishment uh, is they're not supporting Ukraine. They think this is a waste of money and it's a waste of time. And just this is Putin's deal. Just give it to him. In fact, the, the media and the left are pouncing on that pretty consistently, actually. Uh, what do you see? Anything to add to the conversation so far you've just heard with uh that, well, you know, both. I, I want to agree with Trevor. I think that Zelensky was very heroic, particularly at the beginning. Okay. Uh, whether whether or not he is corrupt otherwise, I, mm. I don't know. Ukraine is known as a bit, very corrupt country, right. but America is getting that reputation too. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really I really don't. Um, oh, man. Um, I, I think that, that we need to fight um, genocide wherever we see it. Yeah. Uh, and what the way this war started, it was it was really looking like it was going to be another Holocaust, but just because of the way the Russians. So you support Ukraine at this point? Uh, at this, well, I I don't support Russia because I think Russia is behaving abominably, and and okay. the the attack on Ukraine for whatever reason. Uh, was done in a in a most horrific way. They were targeting civilians. They were targeting churches and 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 schools and theaters and residential communities. And th- this is not the way. You know, no. this is not a, a a a an ethical or moral way to wage a war. You you right. fight army to army, military to military, government to government. You don't take out civilians. And but this is what they did. So I I have always been against. Uh, genocide and and i still am i don't like it in china and i don't like it in well, ukraine either yeah part of the problem is that the united states uh, can't do all of this everywhere we're just not in a position to be able to uh take our uh brand of politics and throw it around the world like a lot like a lot of people think and you know the other thing i get from this and ed uh, i want to ask you something you know i i heard um when Alana was talking about the enemies and genocide and, and but even beyond that to the, well, could, could call COVID was certainly a point of genocide, wasn't it? COVID-19. But beyond that, um, we do have, a, you know, a lot of times we poke holes or we make fun of other world leaders 
that, well, that's, you know, unethical or that guy's really dirty. You know, Ed, we have our own dirty political class right here. I mean, we have no room to talk in this country. I mean, our politics here in America is so dirty and disgusting and filthy. Uh, we, we don't have anything on anybody when it comes to that because we're leading the class on. And I hate to say that. I don't say that proudly by any stretch. What do you say about that statement? Well, I, I think that that doesn't apply to all the politics. I think it applies to uh, the radical left and what they've done for the last five decades in spades. Uh, that's that's my opinion. I, I think there's dirty aspects of politics. I believe we have a Manchurian president who's compromised by both China and Russia mm-hmm. based on his son and, and his, uh, right. cadaver, uh, his cavorting in both China and Russia mm-hmm. with drugs, prostitutes and other things. And to say they're not being blackmailed, it would be it would be foolish from my standpoint. I don't know if you've seen the reports today, by the way, Ed, but they found crack cocaine in the White House. Did you see those reports today? Uh, just a matter of time. <clears throat> I mean, I thought, right, I thought right away, oh, my golly. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Oh, geez. I think they're all on crack at this point. I'm not sure, Ed. But um, all right. I want you to Ed, take a moment because before we di- we're going to divide this and go to pause in a moment, I've got a whole lot of very interesting um, th- thoughts I want to share with uh, our panel here. Um, the interesting comments you heard about uh, from both Ukraine and Russia. First of all, who do you support in this war, Ukraine or Russia? Where, where does the victor fall in all this, please? Well, so so I support Ukraine because they're uh, invaded, and to Ilana's point, the genocide aspect. Uh, Okay. But I don't necessarily uh, fully support Zelensky. Yes, he is a hero in the people's mind, right. as Trevor noted, with the 92% approval rating. But Putin has an 80% approval rating. Most dictators, most dictators have a very high percentage approval rating. Why? Because they control the information. They control the flow of information. And so they control the narrative. And and so there's some other aspects, if, if we have time or after break, I can come back in on. But, you know, the... Progrogan affair, whether it's fake or not, is irrelevant. Putin lost the narrative there. He was viewed as weak. He, the, the narrative was that someone stood up to him, was going to stood up to him, and was going to counter him. And it showed a dent in his armor, a chink in his, in his armor, and that was his death knell, will be his death knell, because it's just a matter of time. Any dictator, any state run by dictators is, in my opinion, a failed state. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And so it may not be near term here. Uh, to Trevor's point about this would be a good thing if Russia would fail state, I wholeheartedly disagree. Why? Because what the hell is our plan? What is our plan for Ukraine? What is our long-term plan for Russia? What is our long-term plan for China? Trevor, I want to let me just get you open your mic a moment here and ask you that question back here. If Russia does become a failed state with that sort of a nuclear arsenal, uh, the biggest in the world, actually, isn't that uh, a danger to humanity at that point if they are recognized as a failed state, Trevor? Well, right now, they're an ongoing, continual danger to the West in partnership with communist China and Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, we've allowed this situation to develop. The The Soviet Union could have been stopped at any time um, <clears throat> after World War II and others, but the political will was there, never there to do it. Even after the Bolshevik Revolution, it could have been stopped. But I think it can only be better. If Russia devolves into four or five states, you're absolutely, you know, and to take Ed's point, I understand what Ed's saying, but the goal must be to end the CCP as well. 
Before we end this segment, uh, General Paul, I know I've got you on a hot mic here, and I want to ask you um, uh, to bring this all to a head. Uh, you know, I, I listen to the pros and cons on Russia and Vladimir Putin from a lot of different people. I find the conversation fascinating, and Zelensky as well. And, you know, I, I just, and back to listening to Trevor right now and the way we need to play all of these relationships, I just don't think we've done a good job here in our own country to play these relationships in the way they need to be. Trevor pointed out the fact that, okay, they've had an alliance sometime, but never has it been as strong as it is right this moment. And it's because our political class here made a mockery out of this Russia, Russia, Russia business. And we made a, and we pushed Putin further and further away it was the worst routine. Again, we, we never followed Sun Tzu's art of war instructions on how to do this thing. And I think we're paying a price for that today. And it's a danger to our republic. What do you say to that comment, sir? Well, I, I think it's very true. And uh, Putin was uh, very willing to uh, work with uh, Trump and the United States. They would have exactly. been a good ally. Exactly. Russians haven't killed any Americans, as you know, unless they've killed some in Ukraine that we've had. But uh, this whole thing about a failed state... What's failing is uh, NATO. Uh, you're going to see a f further diminishing of NATO as a result of this because these European countries aren't going to tolerate being sucked into these wars and things that the United States is pushing. And so you're going to see a decline there of the European... Even Union. though NATO is bringing in more, there's more people, more of these countries are joining NATO right now. In fact, Biden difference. just came out and said Ukraine should join the other day. Huh. It doesn't make any difference. These countries aren't going to put up their arms in that to follow any leads by the United States. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they can line up all the countries they want to, but they're not going to all be right. an effective organization. Okay. They have no mission anymore. Right, right. Okay. Was to call Russia, but Russia's never attacked any of the uh, NATO yeah. states. Yeah. yeah. And so this whole false thing that we can just be so arrogant in the United States to go off and think we have to save the world, we don't. We need to save our own country now and well, put see, our assets into our own country. That's a big point right there. I want to well, let's let's pause right there now, General. There we go. OK, that's a big point that um, General Paul Valet puts out there. What an interesting conversation I have to take. You know. Again, please understand, friends, it, 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 what's important about what we're talking about now, it's it's interesting to come through the weeds on some of these things. And you have to remember, diversity of opinion and thought, and it's like a think tank. It's it's very, very important. And, and in America, there, there's no one one way, one path, one, my way or the highway. I mean, you have to have these kinds of conversations. And it, it is interesting, the diversity of thoughts and opinion on here from a strategic standpoint. Uh, I find it quite unique. You know, taken from there, there are a couple of other things now we need to do today to really be able to complete this conversation of a kings and pawns and a globalist chess match. So when we come back from this moment here, from this pause here in a sec here, we'll talk more about, I want to get the Middle East in here and I Iran and Israel specifically uh, to that conflict right there. But then I want to talk about world hegemony, and I want to talk about um, where uh, the United States is right now in this. Uh, well, and let me just ask you all right now, do you think we're a king or a pawn? Uh, and I'm talking about, I know a lot of people would like to think we're a king. I'm going to suggest to you, there's a big part of our nation that is making us into a pawn right now, as we're being pushed and grabbed and bought right into this uh, globalist movement that's happening around the world. So when I say kings and pawns, you see where I'm going with that right now in this globalist chess match. 
you can't count on things. You can't just say just because it's always been that way, it's going to remain that way. You can't say that anymore. Just when, well, but we are the great almighty United States. Well, as the general was just pointing out, well, uh, we need to get our own affairs in line here. And that is the problem. We we act like we think our shit don't stink back here at home, but yet it stinks to high heaven, quite frankly, with both the left and the right. And I would disagree with Ed, my buddy Ed Huglin as well. It's not just the left, the radical left. The Republicans are as screwed up as the as the left is half the time, I have to tell you. They call them rhinos. I have a lot of other adjectives for those people as well. Stay right there. We'll join you just on the other side. You're listening to the voice of a nation. The silent majority has spoken. We say, let the silent voices be heard. You can be the voice of change. Contact our producer at libertyatamericaoutloud.com. libertyatamericaoutloud.com. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. AmericaOutloud.com. If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Welcome back in, friends. It is Malcolm Out Loud here and Malcolm at 8, the voice of a nation, all week long at 8 p.m. Eastern time on the broadcast, the week of We the People. Today is a lot of foreign policy. I know this was going to be a little hot because, you, you, first of all, you, you know, you, you'd have to spend a full day on this plus. Hard to do this in an hour, to be sure. But we have some wonderful, some magnificent voices on here. And uh, Edward Huglin is here. Ilana Friedman is here. Trevor Loudon, uh, General Paul Vanderlei, all here on the broadcast. And uh, we, we've gone through, if, if you're just tuning in, you go back later when this goes to podcast, you'll want to hear the opening sequence. A lot of interesting talk on uh, Russia and uh, Ukraine and what, what is uh, happening there. Uh, I, you know... I, I do believe the biggest culprit in the Ukraine-Russia 
a conflict, I think, is the way we have played it. The United States has not played this well at all. I blame our own leaders here, and I'll just put it out there straight with you here. I think we could have done a lot better job in the way we've handled that relationship of uh, of Russia. I think we made a mockery out of all of it. And it never had to be this way, never had to get this far, but here we are. You can look at our own political class for doing that, for raw political power back here at home. They did it for raw political power. I'm telling you right now, there's a lot more to say about that, but that's where it is. Let's turn our attention to the Middle East. Ed, are we going to wake up one day and see the the news bulletin that Israel has gone on the offensive? Because we know they know so much that's happening in Iran. I mean, they're they're uh, um, they're um, uh, investigations and the people they have there in Iran. I mean, it's it's amazing how much they know. They know just what they're doing and how they're doing it and who's doing what. Are we going to find an offensive one day where they've gone on and started a conflict with Iran because Iran is re- they're right there at the tip of unleashing a nuclear weapon? And clearly, we can't have that. So, is that the way that ends or or begins or what happens? Well, that's a good point. I think it's highly possible because with this Manchurian president, you know, he's not going to take any action. Exactly. And for our, uh, the Israelis, if they understand that Iran is on the cusp of just uh, getting ready to actually start to uh, deploy these type of nuclear weapons, then surely they're going to take action. Well, they don't have a choice, do they? Do they? No, they, don't they don't have, have a, choice. a choice. Right. I mean, they're right there. They're, they're right there in the middle of hell. I mean, Israel has is, been out there a couple of I mean, it's it's a it's a little paradise in the middle of really what you, I would almost phrase it as hell, uh, Ed. Yeah, and so the only thing I'd say there before you turn it to Lana is, is that the, the, what what it causes me great disturbance every single day yeah. is whether it's Russia, Iran, Middle East, China. Right. What's our plan? What's our long term plan? Yeah. We have none, and so we defer to our adversaries to define our future force, and we react. Yeah, this is a cognitive war. It's not kinetic, but yeah. without a plan. We will end up in a massive... You're so right. You're so right. God bless you, man. I mean, we are a very reactive government. We're a very reactive society right now. Your point is well taken here. Let's just... Let's just put that right in cement right now because you're 100% on that, man. We're, we're not thinking ahead. We're not doing... That's why this conversation, I, I really wanted to hear from you all. Ilana, you, you speak about this all the time. Let's get right to it now. The point of this here... Uh, I mean, Israel doesn't have a choice. I mean, it, I keep, you know, you know, I've got to tell you something. For a couple of years now, I keep hearing, and and, and I'm going to ask the general and Trevor what they think about this. Well, but I keep hearing, oh, it, it, you know, Iran has the nuclear weapon, or they say, well, they're on the verge, they're on the cusp. Or, and I, I just keep hearing all this mixed stuff and hard to decipher what's propaganda and BS and whether they have the activity. Because if they have it, supposedly, y'all been telling me forever that they're going to use it and wipe out, well, what they want to. They make that information public. They're going to wipe Israel off from the map. That's what that's public information. So how does it, well, are they going to go on an offensive? Does that happen? How close are they? What are you hearing? Well, first of all, I, I don't, I, I you know, I've been hearing on and off for, for a couple of years yeah. that Iran actually has a couple of nukes, and uh, then I heard they sold them. I don't know. They were <laughs> they weren't their nukes. They were if they had them. They well, the were, hell they sell them to you know sell them to Nebraska or Missouri, yeah, no, or no, California maybe California. I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> they, they they're dealing with other terrorist countries, and that's that's just part of the picture. But Iran's current tyrant, Khamenei, uh, uh, is obsessed with the goal of destroying Israel one way or another. And he has his surrogates 
um, in the north in in um, uh, Hezbollah, in the south with Hamas, and in the interior of Israel with the Palestinian Authority, which is becoming more and more radical every day. Um, the the Israeli security services um, that we we know are are extraordinary are closely monitoring what is happening in Iran and from outside of, from Israel and from around the world. And they are monitoring what openly threatens Israel um, with from, from Khamenei's point of view with annihilation. And in the meantime, um, uh, remember, Israel has had a nuclear weapons capability for decades. Yeah, they, and they have it. And, right. and that's public never, information out there, right? They all know that, right? Yeah, they yeah. never threatened to use it and they never right. used it. Right, right. But Israel right. is such a tiny country yeah. that a nuclear attack from Iran wipes the whole thing out. Oh, yeah, it's all absolutely done. Absolutely, in a matter yeah. of moments. Yeah, So absolutely. Israel has, has no choice but choice. To, be, to preempt an Iranian So attack. Iran can't be at the threshold that people say they're at. Well, let's ask General Paul before I get you, Trevor. Hold on. Paul, does, do they, how, come on now, just let's cut to the, how close are they or are they not to a nuclear weapon? We keep hearing this for several years. What is it? Well, the information I get from the Iraqi, excuse me, not Iraqi, Iranian intelligence group, which is based outside of Paris, right. they already have uh, the nuclear weapons. They have the Shahab launch missile, which they'll use. They have the uh, guidance system already in, which was tested with their people in the North Korea launches, because the Iranian nuclear group was always with the North Koreans in any of their testing over there. And they also have uh, the nuclear warheads. So, General, why haven't they used any of that yet? If everybody keeps telling me they would use it as soon as they have it, why haven't they done that? Do you know? Well, because they don't want to be destroyed. And uh, they want to be able to live. And uh, they know if they launch, uh, and I can give you the phase three that Israeli plans to do, if there's any kind of an initial launch, the phase one the Israelis have, they will send in their cybers uh, via their aircraft. They'll knock out all the computers that Iran yeah. would uh, run any of their systems on. Uh, they will destroy the command and control facilities in the first phase. They have a second phase then comes in and takes out the sec- secondary targets. Mm-hmm. And then the third phase is to secure the borders around uh, Iran so uh, nothing will uh, move or get out of there. But uh, the Club K system, we have to look at very carefully because the nuclear weapons can be put into uh, on a truck, uh, a freighter type truck. It can be put into the hole of the ship. The ship raises up to 50 kilometers wow. Off, wow. off of New York. They launch the Shahab, close the seal okay. back up. and they're, they're So, General, is it a straightforward question? Is it a, only a matter of time before Iran uses this or are they going to are they going to stand down? Which I think is, it's a matter. I think it's a matter of time more when Israelis going to strike. If, uh, you think? Hold on. You think it's a matter of time before the Israelis strike Iran? You're saying exactly. It'll go uh, to a point based on intelligence that is really pretty much what I said. Then coming into this program, right? Pretty much what I said then. Yeah, exactly. That's it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, Trevor, anything, and I want to get to a bigger point in a moment. Trevor, anything else to add uh, that hasn't been said in regards to? Israel and Iran, sir, in Middle East. Oh, I'd say this since the beginning of the Obama administration, um, which I regard as a as a Russian puppet administration, uh, that they, they have been attempting to undermine Israel's Israeli security all the way. Right now, you have Biden 
um, stirring up in there to try and stop Netanyahu's judicial reforms, which are uh, which are much needed to control the Israeli left, and Obama uh, Biden's in there. The whole thing. The, the the other factor is this, you know, because of Obama and Biden's insistence on the Iran nuclear deal, Saudi Arabia is also feeling very threatened now. So Saudi Arabia is is allying with China. Um, so the whole Middle East is unraveling because of basically bad actors in the U.S. Right, and China is in there big time right now, Trevor. Sorry? China is, I mean, they're the ones that are creating a lot of these world. I mean, they've, they've, they're filling the vacuum that the Biden cabal has created because of their, you know, they're just not involved in any of these things. Um, you know, Shani, you just, let me ask you all this straight out question. Trevor, you first here. Uh, just take, please, just seconds. So please give me 45 seconds each on this real quick. How do we bring China to its knees? Trevor, how do we do it? If Trump had had a second term, China would have been on its knees. He was working with Japan, India, Australia, South Korea, Taiwan to starve out the CCP economy, to isolate and starve them out. Yeah. That has to be the ongoing policy of, of a future conservative administration. Okay. End right. the CCP by starving them out. Starving them out. Uh, so uh, the, the economics and a lot of the trade deals and the stuff that he was doing. Of course, right now we're dependent on them for uh, Taiwan, for all the chips and antibiotics and everything else. It's insane how we play this thing economically. I don't even begin to understand that. It's a clown's game. Ed, how the same question. How do we bring China to its knees, Ed? We have to start undertaking significant influence operations and strategic messaging, much like we did the former Soviet Union. China has multiple weaknesses that we, we fail to take advantage of, and we could bring China to its knees and cause Xi to focus totally inward, but we fail to take action. Okay. Ilana, thought to that question, please. How do we bring yeah. China to its knees? I think China's bringing itself to its knees. Huh. Xi Jinping is, is such a... Uh, he is so consumed with his passion to to <laughs> to live the thousands of year old Chinese um, belief that China is the center of the world. He wants to rule the world. He said it many times. And but in doing in trying to do this, he is instead of admitting his mistakes, such as the the uh, horrible lockdown that he imposed on cities of millions of people and and uh, other things. I mean, the economy is, in China is failing. It's going to implode all by itself mm -hmm. after what he has done. So I, I think it's only a matter. He's overreaching its military. He's doing everything possible to undermine the only possibility that China yeah. could somehow recover, and I Il think it will fail. Ilana, thank you. That was a great answer, man. I have to tell you, the fact that they do it to them themselves, very interesting. General Paul Valerie, I need you to do cleanup on all that's just been said about China. How do we bring to its knees, please? Well, China will continue to be strong. It will continue to advance their Silk Belt Road initiative, particularly in controlling essential minerals around the world, especially in Africa. They uh, will decay from within because I think at some point in time, the Chinese people are going to erupt. We will not have to bring them to their knees. They'll bring themselves to their knees because of their self-serving purposes. Wow. And wow. the information I have right now is they will not attack Taiwan. Things are going so well for them economically around the world. Right. And what they're controlling continue magnificent millions and billions of dollars of trade with Europe and the United States. Yeah. And so... Uh, 
at some point in time, yeah. though, yeah. Um, they're going to have a rebellion within. I, I think your point, you, you just said a couple of really big things there, and I, I, I think you're on it, actually, with uh, the comments there. I, I uh, And back in uh, also clarifying what Alana was just saying about uh, – uh, the the inside danger of them very very fascinating okay here's a big question i want to throw out to everybody this is this is important this is big this is what we're going to end on right here and um and in general i want to stay right with you a moment please on this so if i was to say if we look around the world at all the actors right now and what's taking place right now again as we get ready for this next big election in 2024 take the president will take office in 2025 2026, it's our semi-quincentennial, 250 years in, in this experiment. General, if I look at the devil's triangle of geopolitics in the world, and I said to you on one side was Russia, on the other side was China, and on the third side, it, it, let's all go with Russia and China as two of the uh, pieces of that uh, triangle. The third piece of that triangle, I'm going to say back to you, if I say to you, it's the United States, the Devil's Triangle, Russia, China, the United States. Now, as a patriot, I'm asking you this question. As a patriot, Russia, China, the United States. Tell me why United States is or are not part of that triangle, the, the Devil's Triangle. Well, uh, we continue with an arrogant government and incompetent leadership. Uh, our weakness in our military, we're weakening ourselves. We are a failing state right now. Uh, only Trump, in my opinion, can resurrect us and get us back, and we need him in office as soon as we can, whether you like him or not. He has the courage, he has the ability uh, to break us out of that triangle you're talking about, and he knows how to deal with the likes of Xi and Putin. So that's why we need new leadership to get us out of that third uh, uh, wheel or spoke uh, that, that you talk about, that triangle. We, yeah. we are one of the most corrupt nations in the world now, and the Democratic Communist Party has made that. They have yeah. to be eliminated. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Uh, thank you for saying that, Paul. I, I appreciate that. Nobody wants to admit the truth. And and I just, you know, I, I just, I'm, I'm so tired of people telling me about all the corruptness outside of this country. And they point at every leader and say how bad they are. And I, I continue, it's right here at home. Our framers knew this. The domestic enemy is what's killing us right here. We can deal with any of these conflicts and adversaries, but this is the problem we're having. Trevor, you next, please, on this. Very important question. Devil's Triangle, Russia, China, the United States in this other area. Why are we or are we not part of that devil's triangle? We are to a degree in the fact that, as Paul says, we have a Marxist Democratic Party in power right now. They are they are full on Marxist revolutionaries. So you have the uh, all three elements of the of the uh, devil's triangle are run by marxists now marxists or neo-marxists so paul is right wow. we have to change the government we have very short limited sp space of time to do it we have to have a massive security clean out of the foreign agents in the country a clean out of the democratic party and a purging of the rhino element in the gop mm. that's our only way forward that's perfectly said sir just a brilliant analysis there ilana friedman uh, again uh same thing yeah, I agree that, that this could be the devil's triangle. And as long as, long as we have a an administration that is so corrupt and so, so, so 
doing so many things that are destructive. I don't think any president has ever destroyed more in such a short period of time than the Biden administration. Mm, wow. And so said, I, mm. I thank you, Paul. I, I think that this is really uh, uh, something that if we are the problem that we're facing, well, first of all, we have to make a change. Uh, we have to get rid of this administration and clean up the swamp, as Trump said. Yeah. But the problem is that we are facing another election that is likely to be as corrupt as the right. last one. Well, and I'll tell you what, go listen to Monday's broadcast from Sydney on election integrity on Monday. And she says a lot about what you say there, Ilana, for sure. If you all missed that, it's on podcast, by the way, now uh, you can get it there. All right, Ilana, last seconds left. I can get over to Ed Huglin now and pull you in, Ed, to this again. Uh, you know, Ed, I, I think it's, you know, we got the radical left, but, you know, we got a lot of buffoons on the right as well. I don't I, I look I call it as I see it here. I look at the United States being our own enemy right now. We're tripping over our own shoelaces. We can't even figure it out. The brilliance of this American experiment is at risk right now. This devil's triangle, Russia, China, the U.S. Last word. What do you say? So, no, not the U.S., but in the U.S., yes, there are a legion of insurgents and insurrectionists. And unless, as I said back before 2016, before Trump came to office, unless they overhaul the national security apparatus and the justice system and get rid of those miscreants and those insurgents, those insurrectionists, we will be a part of that devil's triangle. You know, it gives me uh, no joy to be able to say some of these uh, comments that I say, and I, I, I mostly say them, my friends, and I think you know that out there to edge on the conversation, to, to get us to think outside of the lines a little bit, please. It's just really important. We have to, you know, think outside the lines and play outside the lines here. That's real, really where we are in, in the world right now. But America is at risk right now. It's not just a talking point. And the problem, as you've heard from some of the folks today, the propaganda and uh, media complex is is just they're destroying the fourth estate is no longer they are destroying our nation for all this bad information and corruptness that they're involved in they're part of the marxist coup that has taken place they support the most evil things out there this is why it's so important the rise of organizations like america out loud and others that are fighting for freedom for liberty and justice for all that's the game plan right here friends Extraordinary conversation here in this week of We the People. Uh, I can't uh, thank enough this stellar, stellar group of people. I have such great respect. Uh, for me, it's a privilege to be able to work and play with all of you. It's actually the privilege of a lifetime uh, to be able to work with the level of people uh, we work with at America Out Loud is, is really the gift of a lifetime. I, I kid you not. And we continue onward with this. Uh, tomorrow will be the U U the United States, the U.S., and a new world order of advanced technologies. going to be very interesting. And we, the people, get loud to save America on Friday. Uh, join us again. All the shows go to podcast. Please, again, tomorrow when you come, I, uh, I'm going to remind you. I'm going to keep reminding you people. Bring five people with you tomorrow, please. Five people. If you can bring 10, bring 10. But let's multiply this audience up. Keep bringing five people, please. Send it to, okay, even send it to Democrats, left of center. Absolutely. Independents, moderates, left of center. Tell them, you know what? There's a place where the truth rings free. The liberty and justice, man. It's called America Out Loud. It's America on steroids. Get with it, people. Hey, listen, thank you for joining me here on the mission. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. America.